Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Well, Happy New Year. So much pressure. First show of the decade. And boy, do we have a show lined up for you. I'll tell you what, it's not too often we're able to fly Andrea Adams-Miller, the executive director of the Q Smiling Movement and the producer of this show, out to Costa Rica and Mexico to hang with the World Cup soccer players. She's on the bus with them right now. And (laughs) really amazing that she's able to make that type of connection in such a short period of time. How are the soccer players doing? They are doing great, you know, after having such a lovely time at Soccer X, you know, people in soccer love us. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm actually get... in Mexico today in Costa Mesa, and uh, it's training day in the water. Well, you know, Costa Mesa, Costa Rica, everyone's going to both of them. And uh, let's have the soccer players all chant or, or say goal or something like that. Go ahead and oh, hold I, your phone I think up. they're in the middle of a th- Wait, wait, let me see if I can get them. Hey, guys, can everybody yell goal for me? One, two, three, goal! Woo! All right, they were, they're filling out paperwork. Yeah, yeah so. I, heard, I heard three of them, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, they're obviously very excited about the Olympics and the, uh, the World Cup coming up, so that's cool. <laughs> uh, so uh, well, we have well before you go well, was, uh, before you oh, sure. uh, introduction let's uh, let's talk about your New Year's because obviously you were uh, globe trotting and you I, I don't know if you want to share all the countries you've been to over the last couple of days but go for it. Oh, um, uh, mostly kept this one uh, trip uh, finely tuned. So mostly uh, Belize and uh, in Mexico. So we've kept to those two countries and it's been absolutely fun and amazing and a great way to start the new year with some fun, fresh faces and doing some pretty cool stuff. And you're getting lots of photos of the, uh, the different soccer teams in Spanish, I'm assuming. <laughs> well, we definitely have everything ready to go for that. So it's been a lot of fun. Okay, so we got the Soccer X and Soccer Keep Smiling books coming out, and we will, gosh, I think we have about 28 left to go to hit our 100, and then off they go to the media, and this is this is the big focus for this year. So if you're listening, you know someone who's causing great smiles in the world, like our guest coming up, Marissa. So why don't we bring her on right now? Absolutely. I have been super excited about Marissa ever since I met her. She has a huge following among people and crowds and audiences that we go to. She's not only a best-selling author of over five books, she's a motivational speaker that spoke all over the world, and she's a leading celebrity therapist. She's actually the creator of Rapid Transformation Therapy. It's a pioneering, revolutionary, cutting-edge method of fast-effective therapy and she's worked with some amazing people from superstars ceos royalty and olympic athletes talking about olympic soccer players so it's been quite amazing she uh talks to the most amazing people all over the world doing these talks so uh, marissa please share more with us we could love to hear more about what you're doing in the world to change lives welcome so much. Um, what am I doing in the world to change lives? That's a big ask. Well, we've created our own therapy, which is really exciting. And we have the I'm Enough movement, which is also very exciting. So we've got our movement in schools. We've got it in prisons. We've got it in rehab. We've got it in a couple of police forces. Now. So it's amazing how the world is loving our TT. And they love it because it, it is 
it's called rapid transformation therapy because it's very rapid. It's very transformational. I always wanted to create a therapy that worked quickly and it's so, so exciting that we have. Well, I will say that you have quite the accent. Is that from Atlanta, Georgia, or what southern state are we talking about that that accent's oh, from? I wish it was. I do love the Georgia <laughs> accent. I love I love that slow draw. I come from Cambridge, actually, but I live in L.A., so we call ourselves La La Brits because we're, we're, we're people we're from Britain, but we live in L.A., and we, we love living in America. We are in heaven here. Well, we, we love the motherland, and we certainly love the accent when we hear it. So, um, jolly good, and I will say bloody hell every once in a while just to make you feel at home, all right? You're not English till you say bottoms up when you have a drink. Bottoms, bottoms up. Well, you know, I wish I had one handy. Uh, we'll have to do it after. So, I met you <laughs> at several. Met you at several. Oh, it's never too early. Come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, I, I, I met you at <laughs> I've met you at several of the masterminds, and you've spoken on stage, and you are a brilliant speaker with really thought-provoking shares and thoughts and philosophies. So we're going to dig into that pretty soon, but I'd like to start off by introducing you to our audience by you sharing who you are, your journey, so to speak. Um, you, you can go as much as you'd like in the details of what your childhood was like that you became who you are now. Okay, so... My childhood was very nice. My father was what you call a principal, but they didn't really think I was particularly gifted at anything, and they sort of persuaded me that I should become a nanny, and I was actually all set to become a nanny. But by some quirk of fate, well, it's always a quirk of fate, isn't it? I ended up working for Jane Fonda in California in her workout studio, which was great fun. I loved that, and I loved her, but I was intrigued by how many women in the studio, this is in the 80s, were bulimic or anorexic or body dysmorphic. And in fact, since then, those problems have escalated. And I was always intrigued that there was a mental, this is a mental problem, obesity, overeating, being anorexic. But it was being treated um, as if it wasn't. And I was trying to look for it to help all these women I was training who had eating disorders. And I found hypnotherapy, and hypnotherapy was so effective that I began my own clinic in L.A. But people would bring me up and go, look, I've got a fear of lifts or elevators or bees or dogs, and I only want to see you because you get results. So I very quickly diversified in people for everything. And then I diversified from that. I started to work on a lot of television shows, um, helping people with issues. And because I was doing so much TV work, I wrote some books. And then I became a speaker, and then eventually... Because I was asked so much, I created my own method because people would say, well, can you, I want someone in Atlanta that does that. But I was in London. I want someone in somewhere else that does that. So I created my own technique and thought I just trained one group of people. And actually, we've trained over 4,000 people to date. And it's just getting bigger and bigger. Last year, we won 14 awards. We actually won an award for the best pharmaceutical product, which we don't have. Um, because of our, our, the effect RTT has on depression and anxiety, and now we're getting a lot of schools that are using it to, to wipe out bullying. So it's really exciting that it's making such a lovely impact on the world, and, and that's what I wanted, because when I became a therapist, I just couldn't understand how it's the only method where you go, bring me your pain, and we'll just discuss it for years and years. No dentist, no doctor would ever say, Oh, turn up with your pain and I'll talk about it. They understand if you're in pain, you want to not be in pain as fast as you possibly can. 
why dentists have an emergency appointment suite. You don't have to be in pain. And so I always thought, well, with therapy, shouldn't that be the same model? You should turn up and get rid of your pain really fast and it shouldn't come back. And that's what we based our TT on, understanding the pain, getting rid of it. And we call it being like a detective, a dentist, and a coder. And the detective part works out what's gone wrong with the client, why they have obesity or panic attacks. And then just like a dentist, you extract that. And then just like the best coder in the world, you code in a completely different belief system and you record that and over repetition that absolutely sticks. That's really brilliant. And I guess the first question I have for you regarding that is there are so many therapists, as you say, and they deal more with the conversation, not so much the the fix or the removal of the pain. Um, Who did you learn this from? I know Tony Robbins, uh, when he was on TV, uh, you know, created more of the instant solve of that. What do you, what do you uh, attribute your success to? Or who? Well, I trained with a brilliant, brilliant man called Gil Boyne, who was an absolute genius of a hypnotherapist. He's sadly not here anymore, but he, he was an incredible man, and I, I loved him. And then I trained with David Viscott, and I trained with many different people. I, I went to a lot of different people. I trained in psychotherapy and cognitive behavioral therapy and NLP and they were all good but they were all too long and Mm -hmm. I just wanted something that worked fast and I'd find that my clients would come in and go you know that one thing you said or that one thing you did it was a game changer so I just began to collate all the particular things I did that clients would say wow that revolutionized my life or that changed me on a dime and, and it, my clients were actually the people who taught me. So although my teacher, Gil Boyne, was phenomenal, I have to say the people that taught me the most effective therapy were my own patients. They'd come in and go, yeah, well, I can never find love because my dad left when I was two. Or, of course, I can't lose weight. We never had food when I was a kid. And I go, but that was 40 years ago. And I realized that a lot of them hold on to their story, not meaning to, and then I realized that a lot of them will come in and go, I've got these chronic migraines. And when we would unpick why they had them, they'd go, well, you know, my dad wants me to be a barrister and I don't want to take over the family law firm. And then I realized that most people's physical and even emotional issues have a role and a function and a purpose. And if you can just uncover that, which is actually very easy when you know how, the client will give it up. But you can't take away something. So if you've created an unattractive body because you've been molested as a small child and your mind believes that, well, being unattractive protects you from being molested anymore, you have to find that belief and remove it before you can get the client to have the health and the shape and the weight they've always wanted. And really, I found this by working mostly with infertile women who'd go, I've done everything to have a baby and I've mortgaged the house, I've had IVF. But if you took them back, they'd always go back to a scene when they were 16 and they thought they were pregnant and they were absolutely terrified of what their parents would do. And, of course, the mind locks on to fear. It's the nightmare being pregnant. It's the worst thing in the world being pregnant. And it can't unprocess that unless you do some therapy to remove it. So I would say I learned it from all my clients. They taught me everything. And they continue to teach me so much. That's really cool. Um, you had mentioned. I can you give you a great me. example. I was working with a girl recently who skin burned. She could not go out in the daytime. She was a coach, so she could work from home. But every time she went out in daylight, she just burned. She had a rare um, 
inability to process UV light. When I hypnotized her and said, well, let's go back to why, she went back to being bullied. And she said to me, she said, um, I just want to stay at home. I'm being bullied and I just want to stay home and never leave the house. And I thought, isn't that interesting that she thought that thought? And when you're being bullied, it's not a thought, it's an imprint. You have a very scared child, a horrible situation being physically bullied and hit by an authority figure and so she didn't make a thought she made a wish and a request I want to stay at home all the time and then she got this illness and she had to stay at home all the time so unpicking that kind of stuff is really amazing it certainly is and you had mentioned that you worked with Jane Fonda I have several questions about that one is how'd you get that gig and what'd you learn from her well I got that gig because she had um, the Jane Fonda workout studio in Los Angeles, and I was working there. And um, what did I learn from her? Well, she's an amazing woman. She follows her passion. I learned from her that she doesn't care what other people think of her. If she has a belief, she goes after it. And, you know, um, I know that all therapists are good people with a good heart that want to help, but I have to not worry what they think of me when I say, look, this going to therapy for five years is not good enough anymore. So... You have to be able to think, look, I've got a passion, I've got a mission, I've got a message, and you mustn't care too much what other people think of you. You must care what you think of you. And I see that with so many clients. I, I want to ask for a raise, but I don't. I want to ask this guy out, but, oh, my God, I'm so scared of being rejected. And our greatest fear as humans, apart from not surviving, is the fear of being rejected because it used to kill us, but it doesn't kill us anymore. But it still feels like it will. We used to die from rejection. We lived in tribes. We lived in groups just to survive. And if we didn't conform and they kicked us out, we probably would die. And so the fear of rejection is behind so many modern-day issues. Fear of public speaking is a fear of rejection. But if you can remind yourself that the only person who can truly reject you is you and you don't ever have to do that, then that's life-changing, just beginning to go, okay, I can get dumped, I can get fired, but I can't really be rejected. The guy that dumped me, everything he loved about me is still in me. He just got bored, and maybe I would have got bored if I'd stuck around much longer. Hmm. So I learned that from her. Don't be scared of rejection. It's not going to kill you. In fact, sometimes it can make you so much stronger. So she's lived a very controversial life, and not to make this a Jane Fonda uh, deep dive, but uh, you agree that she's pursued what she uh, could or should to live a life she loves. I don't agree with some of the things she's done. I mean, I, I would never say I agree. I think she doesn't agree with some of the things she's done now. I think looking back at her history, I think she would probably say the same thing. I remember when I was coming into L.A. in 1984, and the customs guy stopped me and said, you work for her, you know she's a communist. And I said, well, I, I honestly I don't know anything about that. I just work for her. But I, well, I think following your passion, you know, one of the major causes of depression is not following your heart's desire. And she's followed her heart's desire. I think you have to factor in other people, but I think you must follow your heart's desire as long as it doesn't hurt other people. Yeah, I think that is what the contention was, is that it was hurting people's feelings, at least, or their 
their mentality of what they were pursuing or yeah. what they believed is their principle. And so she became kind of ostracized. So um, we can, we can yeah. certainly leave that, but I, I think it's, she's an interesting topic with regard to um, not caring what people think, but going possibly too far with not knowing what you're doing to potentially damage what you are. Yeah. Are I think she was very sharing. young and very impressionable and she didn't have a good relationship with her father. Her mother died. So I mean, you're going to have to hurt some people's feelings. It's like deciding to leave a relationship that doesn't work, you know. But when you're hurting people's feelings on a global um, level, that, that is different. Then I would say no. If you're going to hurt your whole country's feelings, you should stop. But if you're saying, mm, shall I leave this marriage? It will upset my um, partner. I, I want to leave home and go and live in New Zealand, but my mom will be upset. Sometimes you have to put yourself first. But there are, there are always degrees of that, of course. Sure. And I, I guess because I saw her in the news recently for another controversial issue, I, I guess it's it's almost like that's her, I, I guess, go-to plan or um, that she always wants to show up as the person that just wants to be loud. And I'm not sure. But. That was why. I well, you look that. at people like Ricky Gervais and James Corden. Some people make a career. You know, if you want to get into show business, you need to stand out. Um, a bit like Sinead O'Connor when she shaved her head and sang that song. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, when they want to make it, you need to be noticed. You know, if you're going to work in a huge company, turn up early, leave late. You often have to make yourself stand out. Otherwise, how are you going to be noticed? If you want to be a- noticed, some people don't. Is that an aspect of uh, significance or relevance? Well, you know, significance is a need. We need to be significant. And and many people don't feel significant at all. You know, we're just taking our TT to the um, Far East. And it's interesting there where at school they ask all the children to have the same haircut and they have this belief that the nail that stands out must be hammered down. But... If you want to have your own business, um, you need to be significant. And so many people are scared to ask for what they want. They write a book and they never send it to a publisher. They have an idea and they watch while someone else takes a not such a good idea and and makes it better. You, You really, if you want to succeed in business and you have wealth blocks or money blocks or success blocks, you need to get over them. It's like... Being a speaker, you know, if you go on stage to speak, people will like you. Some people won't like you, but you have to make a decision. Am I going to let the people who don't like me hold me back from doing what I want? And I would say, you know, it's a bit like being a doctor. You have to say to people occasionally, look, this is all in your head. They don't like that, but a good doctor won't go, I can't possibly tell my client that these fits are in their head because I'll hurt their feelings. You have to go beyond that and be honest to a degree if you want to help people and make a difference you know like I, I had a client who came to see me with the strangest problem and in the end I said to you, do you know what this problem is because you think your husband doesn't love you do you think you're creating all of this in fact I said there's two things that are going on here this is really happening or you're making this up to get your husband saying what do you think and she said oh I think it's the second one and I, I, I kind of told her very nicely, and I said, yeah, I do too, and now we've accepted that, let's change it. But I think sometimes we're not honest enough with people. You know, so many people haven't got what they want, and they, they, I, they come to me, I can't get my needs met. Do you ever tell people, no, I never tell people what my needs are, I want love, I can't find it, I want a pay rise, I haven't asked for it. 
I want my own business, but I'm too scared of being rejected. If you can't identify what your needs are, but even if you can't tell people what your needs are, is that people who think, you know, my husband, he forgets my birthday. Did you tell him a week before? No. But if you told him, he would have celebrated it. No, I want him to be a clairvoyant. And so it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very interesting dilemma that so many people create their own problems and they don't know that. I agree, and it's it's what you just shared was kind of making people wrong, and hoping that they will become this something they're not. And you'd brought up yeah. bull, bullying earlier, and my son is actually six, and I am teaching him to be his own person, to be a leader. Don't fall into hey what they think is important. So, what would you say that is your success formula for teaching these schools to rid themselves of the bullying? Um, epidemic. Oh, that's such a great question. Well, schools tend to focus very much on the child who's being bullied, but really you need to focus on why children bully. Children bully because they have low self-esteem. And exactly. so to, to stop bullying, you need to do two things. You know, 50% of children say they've witnessed bullying and do nothing about it because they're scared it will happen to them. Uh, I think 50% of children get bullied and, and a lot of them don't even want to go back to school. So the, the big thing is for the child who's bullied to recognize that the bully doesn't like themselves. Um, happy people are benevolent and unhappy people are critical and critical people always have the most criticism reserved for themselves and express it outward. So you have to teach a child who's bullied to go, oh, you don't like yourself. You're not a happy kid. That's not easy. But you have to, even when they're six, I had to do it with my daughter who was bullied and teach her to say to this bully, you don't like yourself, you're not happy. And the kid who bullied her was so shocked that she suddenly thought, wow, you've got me. And they've become dear friends ever since. But then you also have to go back to the bully and go, what's going on in your life? Nobody wakes up and goes, oh, my life is so great. Who can I diminish today? Hmm. So bully children tend to be bullied. They feel bad about themselves. They have low self-esteem. Schools are so busy trying to get into the right tables for academic success that they forget that one of the most important things to give children is self-esteem and confidence. And we have a lot of schools completely in the I'm Enough movement. We had one school in Spain who said, we took all the bullies, there were nine, and we took them out and we did I'm Enough with them. We took that, and they all cried and they've all stopped being a bully and it's remarkable. And so... If every parent in the morning could just say to their kid around the pressure, say these four things, I matter, I'm significant, I'm lovable, and I'm enough. If every parent put that on their fridge, put it on their kid's mirror, and had them say, of course, I know every parent isn't going to do that, but for the ones that could, that would make a huge difference to bullying. And if schools could begin that, having the whole class go, I'm significant, I matter, I'm enough, I'm lovable. And many of our schools have little plaques that each child has on their desk now saying, I am enough. They have bracelets saying, I'm enough. They, they've joined the movement and they say it's made a huge difference to the kids' confidence. They can express themselves. They don't bully because they know that they're enough. But in knowing you're enough, you know that everyone else is enough too. Yes, and you know, I... In hindsight, when I saw your book, and uh, really thank you very much for saying that to me, I wanted to share with you that there's a woman named Megan Fenyo in San Diego that has an I Am Enough movement, and I'm going to connect you guys after the show, 
because she did a cute smiling book about all the women that don't believe they're enough. And I, I think that is really, really the pinnacle piece of why people that quote unquote don't have a life, if they have a life, sure, they would be I enough. Mean, yeah. I mean, I've worked with thousands of addicts in rehabs all over the world. I've never met one who thought they're enough. If you right. go into AA and talk to them, they say, yeah, I, I feel empty inside. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. If you talk to people who are shopaholics or bulimics or anorexics, they go, but I'm not enough. I need to be thinner. I need to dress better. This I'm not enough is behind hoarding, shopping, drinking, and binging. It's behind procrastination and self-sabotage. And if you can just Go into. I mean, we have free products on I'mEnough.com. We're very happy to give them away to all of your audience. If if you can understand that the common denominator of almost every emotional issue we have stems from I'm not enough, then you can change it. I am enough. I'm enough just the way I am. It doesn't mean you're going to lie on the sofa and be just going, hey, I'm enough. I don't have to make any effort. Actually, when you know you're enough, you think, no. I'm going to make this relationship better. I'm going to make my career better. I'm going to make my parenting skills better. Mm. But I'm enough. If you can just say that every day, put it on your phone so it pings twice a day. Honestly, I promise you it will change your life. You almost need an app for that, an I'm Enough app. Yeah. We're, we're doing well, I'll tell you what. We've got so we're many things to go to, in the pipeline. Well, we're about to go to break, and I got Two quick questions. I know Andrea has kind of a closing comment as well. So uh, one question is, you had mentioned about things that, oh, well, let's go with Tony Robbins first. I brought him up and there was no response to that. So Tony Robbins says he can solve something, cure something in a, in a second. What do you say to that real quickly? Uh, Tony is an amazing guy. He's a very dear friend of mine. He's very genuine. And he can. I wouldn't say in a second, but he also goes straight to it, you know. Mm -hmm. He's very good. I've seen him working with a stutterer and fix them in 10 minutes. I mean, he does what we do. He's a very fast, even more rapid version. I like to work with people over an hour because, for me, it's very important to make sure this never comes back. The mind learns by repetition. So I always make my clients, about all the people we train, make personal audios for their clients to listen to but you can't really knock Tony he's got a good heart and he too is out there changing the world of therapy and he gets results and if you get results then you know it's it a great thing to do yeah he, cool. he gets results and he's a, he's a lovely person and then just one other quick uh, question answer is you'd mentioned that people bring their past into their future and that's obviously a big um aspect of how landmark education helps people drop their past so they can create a new possibility a new future any comment landmark mm-hmm. what, what was your question what do i think uh, of it, landmark it, 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 yeah it was not really a question as much as that they their focus is to rid people of their story of their past so they can create a new possibility yeah. for the future yeah, and, and, and a lot of therapies are about that. Let's get rid of the past. But in order to get rid of the past, you have to go back and identify the key imprint that, that set off this issue. And then you have to extract it using a very particular technique. And then you have to simultaneously code in a new belief. And whenever you're doing it in a mass group, it can really work. But Landmark is doing this with hundreds of people all at the same time. 
Sure. And that's what I call the herd mentality. There's always going to be some people who go, yeah, well, it, it didn't work. You know, I got caught up in this group um, thing. And so mm-hmm. I find that our therapy is, is the only one that is effective. I mean, we've had people from NLP go, this is so much better. It took me 30 years to develop it. And there's many great therapies, many. But I think RTT is, is cutting edge because it's so revolutionary and in the techniques. So we take people back to scenes and we have them go through a process where they actually can physically, mentally, emotionally disengage from that character that said, you know, I nearly died as a baby. My mom couldn't feed me and now I binge on food 40 years later. Sometimes they logically know this stuff. But you see, emotion is much more powerful than logic. You can't defeat an emotional issue with logic you have to go into that emotion and change it before you can defeat it. So all the talk therapy in the world is, is logical therapy. One of the rules of the mind is logic. I mean, there wouldn't be any wars. We wouldn't fight over car parking spaces or sports teams if, if logic was stronger than emotion. It isn't. Mm. Beautifully said. And with that, a bloody hell. That was a really good comment. I want to bring Andre in to close out the segment. Oh, and by the way, she has kept all the soccer players in the bus completely silent so we could enjoy this conversation. So that's amazing. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, they are all, uh, they're all playing uh, in the water right now. Uh, wow. <laughs> so we are uh, at a beautiful uh, beach area and everybody's off and doing their thing. Uh, so uh, we just, we're at break. So I'm just going to let everybody know that we want to thank our sponsors, Hit Check, um, also the Keep Smiling Movement, the Umbrella Syndicate, and the Red Carpet Connection, and of course, Voice America. And we'll be back after these messages. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. 
Well, welcome bloody back. We are so excited about the first show of the year being with Marissa Peer. And what a first segment that we had. The second segment is going to be more of a deeper dive and how you can benefit from the gold nuggets that she's going to share in the second segment to make your 2020 and this decade better. So, Andrea, thank you for closing out the segment. I know you have a question or two you wanted to share. Absolutely. You know, Marissa, when I said that I had spoke to several hundreds of people uh, who just love you and follow you, not only for your transformational therapy, but for the sound of your voice specifically, they just love hearing you speak. And I am really particularly interested in the concept of delayed gratification and how that concept works for people who are more abundant in the world. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because delayed gratification is something that we all have. Like all children are taught, you know, do your homework, then you can play, <clears throat> finish your lunch, then you can have a little dessert, tidy up your room, and then you can go out. And humans are wired to like the reward. And what's happened is that we now don't do the reward. We give ourselves something straight away and it, it stops our motivation. So if you want to be successful, you need to wake up and go, right, you know, in the morning, I love my yummy coffee. But the first thing I'm going to do is earn that coffee by firing off five emails or making a call I don't want to make. And I often come in and think, oh, my favorite show is on. But I think, right, you know, I'm going to take that show and I'm going to do one or two things I don't want to do. Then that show is going to be my reward. And if you can make yourself have anything, I'm going to make a phone call and have a bath with my favorite products in it. You start to feel like a winner because people who are very successful do delayed gratification this is what we know about the Maslow cookie test or the, the pretzel test where they take three, t- they take children. They put them in a room with a cookie and they go, if you, if you wait to eat this, you get two. In fact, mm-hmm. it's a marshmallow, I'm sorry. Yeah. If you wait to eat this marshmallow, you get two. They leave one on a plate. And one third of the group just eat the marshmallow immediately because they can't wait. Second third, wait, very patiently. But the third third, turn away from the cookie, fiddle with their hair, do anything to distract themselves. And they don't eat the cookie, the, the marshmallow. But when they went back over several years, seven years, 14 years, 21 years, they found that the group two and three were more successful in every area, even in their relationships, because they had either naturally or unnaturally learned delayed gratification. And the unnatural is interesting because we'll say, yeah, but I'm not born like that. I'm not naturally confident. So what? It's like saying I, I adopted my baby. You still love it. You can adopt any habits. And people who are successful have five particular habits. One of them is delayed gratification. One is doing what they don't want to do first. And one of them is is coming back from rejection almost immediately, not allowing it to slow them down. And if you decide, well, look, this is not me, but I could make it me. Running isn't me. Lifting weights isn't me. It's not natural. Going to the toilet wasn't natural for most people for the first two years of their life or getting a banana in their mouth on their own. But you can make anything yours if you acquire it, adopt it, and persist, and then it becomes natural. I mean, sticking a lens in your eyes was the most unnatural thing in the world to literally poke something into your own eye. But if you do it every day, it becomes very natural. And that's the thing. You have to make good habits part of you. And then they're not what you do. They become who you are. Well, to be, I guess, vulnerable on the show, I want to tell you, Marissa, that I'm still not really comfortable eating a banana while I'm going to the toilet. (laughs) No, me neither. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I have, a, I have a son, Kenny, and he is six years old. And I came up with this crazy concept. And you can fault me as a parent right now, live in the show, and I'll cry. But, I mean, I, I'll accept it. I have asked him to write a quote a day from a quote book of positive quotes to practice his penmanship, which is a bit challenging, uh, for a six-year-old, but specifically for him, and he hates it. He thinks this is the worst punishment ever, and I told him, hey, just write the quotes, and each day you get the quote, you can do X, like play your uh, video games, and he's really addicted to video games, so help me. But you're doing the right thing. He's earning his reward, and, and what would make it even better is if you give him a little token, so every time he writes a quote, give him a token, the token is half an hour of video games. Whatever. But put the tokens in the jar and watch that jar fill up. Then you go, look how many great quotes you've written out because he will like that. Children like to see some visible um, benefit from what they It's like having a star chart. But I would give him a little plastic counter or something and fill a jar up with that so he can see how well he's doing because children respond so well to that. And maybe, where are you getting the quotes from? Uh, I actually assembled over a 15-year period all these quotes that I'd heard on stages of people that were talking about leadership or positivity or abundance or overcoming fear, etc. So it's a little book I gave him. It was actually dedicated to him, but Uh I want him to to copy the quotes because I feel like there's a subliminal aspect of it as well. And maybe putting in some quotes like, you know, in Bambi, they say, what is it? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. You could probably find some other quotes in some of his favorite movies that he might like as well. Mm. Because, so it doesn't feel completely adult. Because sometimes, um, um, always let your conscience be your guide in Pinocchio. Some children's books have great quotes in them. And maybe when you're watching a film together or, or doing anything, watching cartoons, maybe see if you can identify a quote in that that he hadn't noticed. If you can get him to make that more fun, um, I think he will go for it. But, you know, I love quotes. I used to copy other people's quotes, and now people copy my quotes, which is a wonderful thing. In fact, I, I heard a quote that it's not mine, and it said, if you don't heal your wounds, you bleed on people that never cut you. I thought, well, I'm adding that to my list, but I will obviously credit the person who wrote it, but I think it was anonymous. But quotes are amazing, and I think you're doing a great thing, and I think he'll, he'll begin to love it. It would just probably take him or one of my clients to think she, every day her son had to say something positive. He was 13, by the way. And she gave him a quarter and went, oh, this is ridiculous. I hate it. He said, look, this is the deal. You say something positive, I give you a quarter, it goes in a jar. And he did it with great resentment. And then one said, I'm not doing it anymore. She said, no, 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 you know, you, you have to do this. It's the deal. And then a few weeks later, she said, mom, look how many quarters are in that jar. She went, no, look how many good things you've said to yourself. And then he began to do it all the time, just quite naturally, say something nice about himself. So... Children, their self-esteem really grows from praise, especially self-praise. So I'd find a little few quotes that he can apply to himself, too, and um, that would really help him. And if he's got anyone who looks up to him and he's only six, my daughter loved Winnie the Pooh, and my daughter just designed a T-shirt. There's Winnie the Pooh, ate whatever he liked, wore a crop top with no pants, and loved himself, and so can you. And she still remembers how Winnie the Pooh loved himself, and... um, 
I think that's a great thing to get children to not only get quotes, but find the cat like Woody from Toy Story, all of their mm. quotes, and make that more fun for him. I love it. Well, I'll actually share with the audience the first quote you put in your book, uh, the one I am enough. It is the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. William James, U.S. psychologist. And I will also share a quote that I enjoyed that you put in chapter four. If you do what you have always done, you will get what you always got. Mark Twain. So I didn't. I didn't plan that segue, but I, I'll tell you, I think quotes are really a programming language. And so that's why I wanted to go that direction. And he, he, when he opened the book up, he saw dreams. And he was, the first quote he grabbed was a Les Brown dream, uh, a quote, which was about, uh, we, we're too busy chasing our fears instead of chasing our dreams. Yeah. And, you know, for a kid who's bullied, that quote, nobody can reject you without your permission or your consent, which you never have to give. It's a great quote to live by. You know, I've worked with many bullied kids and go, look, darling, you know, like you have to like yourself, fall in love with you. Stop trying to make some idiot kid at school love you or like you. Like yourself. And they go to school saying, I like myself. I like myself. Mm. I'm my own cheerleader. I'm my own best friend. And you see, thoughts of things, people pick up what you're thinking, and if you can truly like yourself, people will like you more. That energy of trying to make someone else like you. And they well, I don't like me, so I need you to like me. And it's, it's not arrogance. It's called honoring <laughs> yourself. And we spend so long trying to make others like us, believe in us, praise us, when in fact there's nothing that will build your self-esteem like praise, nothing. But your own praise is way more effective than someone else's. So... A great thing the audience can do that will really help is think about the praise you want. What do you want your boss to say, your parent, your partner, your sister, your friend to say? And say it to yourself every day. And weirdly enough, it makes the most profound difference in people's lives. I've worked with so many angry kids, boys especially, teenagers out of dad. And I go, look, here's the deal. If you had a great dad, what would he say? And I make them say, and they go, wow, who would have thought? I would have never known that saying to myself what a great dad would have said would change my life, but it really has. And we can all do that. It's easy, it's free, and it's kind of immediate. Well, Marissa, I have to say, you have created a life that you obviously love, and you have had such impact on so many people that are actually getting the life they love. So the question I have for you is what did you have to apply or overcome? Because it's it, the audience may think your life is perfect and most people's life is a challenge in some way, shape, or form. So what were your challenges? Oh, well, I had to overcome being lazy. That was very natural to me to do things <laughs> later, to put things off. I was always late. I had to really get past being rejected because when you write books, there's always someone going on and going, I hate that book and I hate that person. Who does she think she is? You have to get past that, but um, none of this was natural for me. I mean, I was the most insecure, self-conscious teenager you could ever imagine. I thought I, thought I was hideous. I thought I was a freak, but mm. um, I got over that. that. That's who I was so long ago. You have to 
you know, I remember working on my first television show with a very eminent doctor, and I, I never spoke up because he was like an eminent doctor. Later, I realized that he didn't really know what he was talking about half the time because it was a show on nutrition, and he was yeah. very stuck in this, you know, carbs give you energy. And so then I realized I really should have had a voice. So I think finding a voice and finding the courage to say no, that's not correct, or by the way, that's a little bit outdated, and it takes a bit of practice, but once you do it, it becomes amazing. It's like running isn't natural either, or, you know, I never particularly love working out, but I make myself do it. But it was it was the courage to say no, and the courage to put myself out there, and the courage to take action every day in the direction of my goals, to wake up and think, what am I going to do today to make that goal real? And to stop myself being lazy, to think, if people more successful do what they hate first, then why don't I do what I hate first? And then I'm, then I'm joining them. It's like a club. The membership dues are do what you don't want to do and take action every day. Well, I can do those two things, and then I've become one of those people. But, you know, I've overcome many, many things. Um, I've overcome critical illnesses and all kinds of stuff. And I was being told I could never have a child, and I was clinically infertile, um, being fired, being dumped, you know, all the things that we all go through. But those things only define you if you allow them to, and, and I would never allow them to define me. Well, I think one of the most important conversations we can have is our 2020 mindset, and you had mentioned earlier about money and wealth blocks. So what would you advise people to have a incredibly abundant year and decade to do to shift? Well, money blocks are so interesting because a lot of our beliefs about money were wired into us before we were five years old, and that's a remarkable thing. People come to me and go, you know, I want to be wealthy, and I just can't seem to make money. I can't keep money. I, I, I get money, and it's all gone, and they always go back and to these beliefs they got, seeing a father go, you know, this job is killing me, or Money doesn't grow on trees. And even saying to a kid, I can't find the money, is a very peculiar thing to say to a child because nobody goes out and finds money. You make money, you earn money. And, and so when you say to her, I can't find it, I don't know where the money's going, we can't find the money for that. You're wearing the belief that money's to be found, which is not a very successful thing to do. And actually, also, you're wearing lottery winners. Your wiring cannot. Your wiring cannot. That they. It's. It's improbable or impossible. Yeah, it's improbable. And seventy percent of lottery winners are dead broke within three years because if they have a belief, I can't keep money. You don't solve money problems with more money. You think, oh, I've got money problems. I'll be solved by more money. They very rarely are. They're solved by changing your religion. We have on marissapier.com a completely free download called Wealth Wiring. We have Love Wiring, Success Wiring. They're all absolutely free. You can take that audio and it will reveal your money blocks and then actually release them. So if you want wealth, one of the couple of things you need to, to acquire wealth, one of them is actually a belief that you're worth it. If you believe you're not worth it, you'll get rid of it all. You know, we can look at rock stars like Amy Winehouse, who got rid of everything. Whitney Houston, I mean, George Michael is so many of them, and their inner belief was, I don't deserve it. So they couldn't keep it. So the first thing you must have is, I'm worth it. I deserve it. And, and a way mm. to help you really get that worth it mentality is think about 
what would I do if I had a lot of money? Would I do, like, for Winfrey, open um, a school? Would I be like Bill Gates and, and try and wipe out malaria? If you can do something good with your money, the more ways other people benefit, maybe it's putting your own kids through a private school, maybe it's employing people who can't be employed, the more reasons you have to make money, the more likely you are to make it. But the second thing is you have to work. A lot of people get the secret and go, I just manifest it. I'll just manifest it. That's not quite right. Um, people have lost this belief that you can have a great idea, a great invention, but the best product in the world won't work if you don't. For instance, we train people in this most extraordinary therapy called RTT. We've trained 4,000 people. But part of the training is how to market yourself, how to find clients, how to get referrals, how to get doctors to send people to you. Because if you're good and nobody knows where you are, then that's not quite enough. So if you want wealth, believe you are worth it. Decide what you can do to monetize a gift you have. But then you have to work hard and you have to tell people that you're good. You know, a great doctor says I'm the best in the world. A great surgeon or pilot was then really good at my job. And people think, oh, that's bragging. But, you know, if you were going to a doctor, you wanted to say I'm the best best at this subject. They believe you're worth it. Work hard. Not all the time until you've made it. And... Don't be scared about telling people what your gifts are, and then you can monetize them. But you have to do all three. You can't just do one of those. Well, you just said recent uh, earlier in the about five minutes ago about being brave enough to say something that maybe would allow you to be free, but also to help humanity or change the world. So I'm going to be brave right now. You ready? Yeah. All right, Marissa. This book. Um, hashtag I am enough. What number book is that of yours? Number five. Number five. So the most recent? That's the most recent. We're working on the RTT book right now. That will be number six. Okay. So vulnerable conversation. Here we go. What do you think of the cover? Um, we're changing the cover. I don't think the cover is quite good enough. What, what happened with us is people started to plagiarize I'm enough and rip off my work and I had to rush that book out in order to stop people going, yeah, well, I've, I've invented I'm Enough. I mean, nobody owns I'm Enough, but that we had so many people stealing my work, stealing my things like rules of your mind and taking my name mm-hmm. off the cover, putting theirs on. So we raced that mm-hmm. out, but we agree actually the cover needs to be changed and it's being changed now. And if any of your readers have listened got any ideas of a great cover, we'd love to have them. Send them to Marissapier.com because we want a better cover. What do you yeah. think of the cover? Well, I, I think it's um, horrible compared to who you are and what your message is and how powerful you are. So I think there's a big gap. Uh, if I saw this cover and I didn't know who you were, I would never even touch it. I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't look at it. I wouldn't even consider it. But knowing who you are and knowing that I've met you and heard you on stage – I get past the cover. I have to actually excuse myself as a designer and an artist and a person that actually believes oh. that marketing actually makes a difference. So I, I think you're so brilliant that your cover actually diminishes that. It, it actually is the oh. antithesis of it. Well, yeah. Is it the mirror or the lipstick or the whole thing that you don't like? Well, I didn't it's see the lipstick. I, just see, I see the mirror. It's a marker, actually. Okay. Yeah, it says mark your mirror, mirror and change your life. 
I, I think your message is right on the cover. I think the artwork and the uh, and what you're trying to convey is not happening. Well, you're not but, the first person to say that, and I actually really appreciate that feedback, and I'm going to act on it too. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't a publisher or a marketer, I wouldn't actually be so vulnerable on a radio show with someone I admire so much. So I just want to tell you this: this book is so remarkable, and you got to get past the cover. And I'm glad you're changing the cover because you deserve it. Thank you. And that's that's the thing about not letting in criticism. That wasn't criticism. That was constructive feedback. So I actually really value that. We should all be able to do that. Because, you know, I love you and I love what you do. But can I just tell you that that doesn't work or that doesn't suit you or that's not right for you? And we have to have the courage to do that because it helps people to grow. But, again, I can see with you that you you don't have that fear of rejection, which is great because you can tell me stuff that's true. And I don't have a fear of rejection, so I can hear it and go, wow, that uh, that was really helpful. Thank you so much. But that was a great masterclass, just in showing the audience, don't be scared. Because if you do something with, with integrity, the other person gets that you're not rejecting them, you're helping them. Exactly. And sometimes um, basically having the zipper down in your pants when you're speaking in front of an audience is the only thing that's stopping you from actually conveying your message. So you have to be careful yeah. about what you are showing the world that portrays you as the only thing they're going to see until they actually get past that. And that's a book cover. A book cover is so important to me. And when I got your book, um, when I got your book, only your name was the reason I would open it. That's it. Because you are, you're a person of integrity. You're a person who cares. You're a person on stage that says things that are riveting. Uh, You really command an audience because what you're giving them is massive value. And so that's the only reason I could get past the cover. Well, we should be working very fast to change that. Thank you very much. Well, you you are so brilliant, and I am so happy that you are on this radio show and starting our year off. I want to make sure we have a couple minutes for, well, actually, we're almost done. My gosh, we... <laughs> we're out of time. Hour. I know. <laughs> so, Andrea, why don't you finish the, the segment, please? <laughs> well, uh, Marissa, uh, one of the things that Ken always likes to know from people are, you know, questions for rapid fire. So we already know what your quotes are. So um, he always asks what your favorite book is. So I'm going to ask his question right now. <laughs> Do you know, I'm my, I've got so many favorite books, but I'm actually going to say my favorite book is my own book because I, it, because I, that book is a message to the world about how to be enough and. I'm very proud of that book, and I like it because it's so simple, so condensed. But people write to me, you know, I was going to kill myself. And that book, I, I tried a few things in it. People write to me and say I was so depressed. I was actually somewhere recently, a 17-year-old kid came up and said I was going to kill myself. But I saw you on YouTube. I bought your book, and it changed my whole life. And now my whole school are reading that book. So it may sound very arrogant to say my favorite book is my I'm Enough book, but I believe that if you can't if you can't believe you're good, how can anyone else? Well, I wouldn't trade the rapid fire questions for the commentary we had about your book cover, but I would like to ask you those offline and add them to our our social media. Sure. And I want to thank you for bringing our new year and our new decade in for Amplified about leaders who are caring and leading with their heart and causing a positive change to the world. So you've been amplified, Marissa. You're awesome, and you're going to be in so many of the Keep Smiling books. We want you to share your message uh, in the Keep Smiling book about your journey and how you actually solve problems, create abundance, and inspire smiles. Thank you so much. God bless. We'll see you next week. 
We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.